Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Mensel. I'm joined by my co-host, Paul Dennett. Paul, how are you? Good. Oh, it was great yesterday seeing Federer come back from behind and win. I really enjoy that game. Really top-class sport. And, oh, yeah, looking forward to the Big Bash finals as well. Slow start. Okay, so... <laughs> I don't know if Jaleesa's already walked out, but Jaleesa, Hi. welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me back. Uh, it's the first time you've been I on. I second everything Paul just said. I, I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, but Jaleesa, it's been so glad that you've agreed to join the show mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Uh, the, the, yeah. the fans are very happy. How are you feeling about it? I'm really excited. Uh, when I did this just at the end of last year, it was just such foreign territory to me. And um, it's just been such a pleasure. It's just something I really look forward to you and Paul and um, I really admire how you've set up the podcast how you have this passion for it and Paul's just insane cricket knowledge is just (laughs) also to be admired so I love Uh, it well we love having you so thank you so much for being a part of the show it's a big improvement to the podcast and uh, today's episode we're gonna I've got a mad menace to pull out I've also got a mad Jaleesa yeah it's gonna be mad Apsy yeah full-on statistical argument Uh, we've got the headlines including all the news from the big bash and Ben Stokes doesn't like being compared to Ed Sheeran (laughs) and uh, also got I spoke to um, Steve Smith and Aaron Finch Jaleesa spoke to Shane Bond 
and Paul Dennett sent an email to Professor Stern some time ago. <laughs> that's, that's all I could put in there so he didn't feel left out. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Let's, that's pretty wild. Let's get into it and start with Mad <laughs> Menners. Mm-hmm. I was triggered um, last week when David Hussey was fined $2,000 for making some comments on a sideline interview during the broadcast of a Big Bash game. Now, I've got the audio here. Let's have a listen and then react. I thought you guys actually assessed the conditions really well early, taking the, the pace off. A lot of spin? Yeah, there's a lot of spin. Um, early on, you're not meant to walk on the, on the cricket pitch, but I did with some spikes. So the, the spikes went in and I thought a little bit moisture in there, so maybe the spin might help. But uh, fortunately, yeah, we have a few spinners in our uh, deck and uh, I think, this is my personal opinion, that over the course of the competition, spin's definitely going to be your friend. You had spikes on us. Is it not it? Yep. <laughs> guilty, <Why>? guilty. <laughs> Why? Why? Well, you just want to see what the pitch is like, Brendan. You want to uh, dot every I and uh, cross every T and um, yeah, try and get the uh, the competitive adva- advantage over the opposition. That was David Hussey's poor attempt at humour during the Big Bash and it also is a hat-trick of botched handlings by Cricket Australia. They messed up the Emily Smith band, they messed up the Stoinis homophobic slur and now they've messed up this treatment of David Hussey. Whilst I don't think the comments were funny, I certainly do not think Hussey should have been fined $2,000 for making a poor attempt at humour on the broadcast. It really made me upset because the broadcasters and CA want the players and the coaches to be more accessible, to give more insights into the game. If a coach goes a little far like Hussey did, I don't think issuing a fine is the right way to go about it. Maybe a bit of a warning to all the clubs about what's appropriate during the broadcast. Maybe that making jokes about cheating are not that funny. But to fine him will not only you know make all the other players and coaches shy about what they say on TV, but it's also just a, a real punch to the, all the broadcasters that are pushing for this access. Coach says something maybe on the line and... He's fine. Ridiculous. No, Cricket Australia got it right. He deserved a small fine and he got one. It was... If he'd actually made it clear that it was a joke, then I'd be completely with you. But at no point did he actually make it clear that was a joke. You could hear from Brendan McCullum. Brendan McCullum thought he was... He's thinking, is he being serious there? Yeah. And I think if you were a young kid watching that and you just listen to it, you just think, oh, well, okay. You take it at face value. The coach of the Melbourne Stars thinks that the rules don't apply to him. So uh, if, he'd, if he'd added at the end, nah, nah, <laughs> of course I didn't walk on on spikes, then... I would say the only crime would have been lack of, you know, that it wasn't funny. But oh, I think, you know, a small fine was probably appropriate. Can we find him for just not being funny? Because yes. the delivery was horrendous. <laughs> it, it wasn't clear that it wasn't a joke. I don't think it was a clear... I'm a little bit with both of you. Paul, I agree with you. I think that it wasn't clear that it wasn't a joke. And so they probably needed to make it clear later that it was a joke. Rather, so maybe tell the commentators, you know, just make it clear on the broadcast that he was actually joking. I don't think it deserved the fine, though, although it is tax deductible, so who cares? <laughs> it's not that big. But I, I think this is a little also a bit of that overreaction of Cricket Australia having the ball tampering lingering over them and going, oh, my God, we must overreact to everything now. Yeah, but it's just a PR disaster in my opinion. It is. We, we yep. want the Big Bash to be open and bring the fans right up close to the action. That's what the broadcasters want. I wasn't sure he wasn't joking. Yeah, but th- that's fine. We can all agree David Hussey is the worst comedian in Australia. Well, no, but it's not, a, it's not a question about the comedy. It's a question about the fact that it, because it wasn't clear that he was joking, it made it seem as though... For, for many listeners, that he was actually uh, saying that he did cheat. And young fans yeah. too. 
And that's clearly a breach. Now, I agree that you, you don't want players to be and, and, and staff to be unwilling to go on the TV. But when I think he would be the first to admit, yeah, I probably, I probably stuffed that up. Well, I think a warning and a, a maybe bit a of a wake fine. up, it a been wake up call to the whole. Not a small fine at all. It maybe could have been better handled by just calling the commentators or just having someone run up and just say, hey, can you guys just make sure you're clear on the broadcast that he was actually joking? Then the whole thing could have. I think it was just really handled badly. Paul, before we move on to another big-hitting topic, you wanted to just underline that you've had a big win with the use of a certain camera angle. I mean, who says we don't cover the big stories in cricket? <laughs> well, as I said last show, that annoying low angle from mid-off, the tight angle, uh, well, I sent out a Twitter poll, CC okay. Fox Sports. Ever since then, there's been these times when the bowler's running in, I've got the low angle, you think, are they going to change it? Are they? And then, boom, it comes to the proper angle. Now, I'm not saying that... Well, I think I am. I think maybe I have um, caused this to happen. I, you're an influencer. I now. think <laughs> it's my greatest achievement. A cricket <laughs> camera angle influencer. You're going to be doing, like, teeth whitening ads. <laughs> being like, hey, guys, just use my teeth whitening. Are you the guy that stopped that angle from mid-off or possibly did? You would be good you for... You are an a, influencer. You would be good for a before and after of a lot of things. So. <laughs> well, we've got, we've got a lot of before shots ready. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> Now, Mad Men is about David Hussey. We had a Mad Apps during the week about the DLS, the Duckworth-Lewis-Stern method of uh, deciding, I guess, rain-shortened games. Mm. Uh, I guess, firstly, it's really clear that no one knows about Stern. I know. (laughs) No, Paul Stern, he gets gets forgotten. Yeah, so Duckworth-Lewis-Stern. And as as Mad Men has hinted at the start of the show, I have sent a few emails to Professor Stern over the years, and he's replied always... Intelligently, within half an hour, in a really good-natured way. Where's he way. based? In Brisbane. Oh, he's from Queens. He's from America. Yeah. Um, and as the story goes, he arrived in Australia, and people said, "Oh, finally, we've got a statistician. Can you explain this Duckworth-Lewis system to us?" And he's gone, "What's that?" And they've explained it to him. It's a method of deciding deciding cricket matches that are rained off. And he said, "What's cricket?" <laughs> and they explained that to him. And then he looked into it, and then contacted Duckworth and Lewis and said, "I think I can help you improve it." And they said, "Oh, good. We're old. We want to get out of this." And so he's now the custodian. And Jaleesa is about to launch Duckworth Lewis, mm. um, and you know I just want to say it's the you know it's the most important thing in my life, Duckworth Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping we can get Stern on the podcast. That'd at some be cool. Stage. <laughs> now, Jaleesa, yeah. what is your problem with Duckworth Lewis well, Stern? I have no problem with Duckworth Lewis Stern. I have a problem with it being used in Big Bash and 2020 in general. So I think the system is ingenious and is far beyond the math that I ever learned, but. I just think in in 2020, my problem is that five overs is not a game of cricket. And that is my big gripe with it. My other thing is I just, in some of these games, I always feel like it kind of does favour the chasing team. And I definitely does. I particularly had a really big problem with it in the Thunder Scorchers game because it rained so briefly and then because it was an early game i felt like there was so much sunlight left i know it's a broadcast nightmare you you can get around it you can we could have just you know held played the game off a longer game played a longer game and i it is a broadcast nightmare but these nightmares get solved in broadcast all the time we do it when nrl goes to golden point both fox and nine cut into their programming and they start their program later. A great example of how broadcasters overcome these kind of things was yesterday in the Federer match in the fourth set. Stop talking about 
fucking we tennis. To, we have to. <laughs> we have to. It's important. It's cricket related, I promise. In the Federer match, he, it looked like in the fourth set that tennis, the opponent's name, not the actual game, just okay. so you know, Menace, his really name was actually te- his name was tennis. Wow. Anyway, look. And like he's from Tennessee. And who's this? He's NRL, from Tennessee. Who's yeah. this NRL bloke. <laughs> <laughs> so tennis looked like he was about to win in the fourth set. Federer could have taken it to a fifth, which he eventually did. Our news was about to start. It was at match point. We made the decision. When I say we, like I'm not up there with you, Marks. This is well above my pay grade. But the people <laughs> well above my pay grade made the decision to hold off our news um, so you weren't annoying viewers by switching to Gem. They, um, they initially didn't, though, because it came up on the screen. You have the, to switch yeah, to Gem. Yeah, it came up, on, which is a pre-fed graphic. Yeah. You have to switch to Gem, which might have confused a few people. But they went, no, no, we're going to hold off to the end of this set so that we're not disrupting viewers. It happens all the time in broadcast. Is it a nightmare? Yes. Is it clunky? Yes. Like Paul said, there was something that came up that said we're going to switch to Gem, which didn't happen. But it's doable. And I don't see with these shortened – why we have to shorten cricket, why everyone can't just figure out a way, especially in those kind of matches where you've got heaps of sunlight, to just keep playing. I said the exact same thing last podcast. I agree that five overs is not a game. I thought they should be make ten overs. And also, rather than as soon as the rain starts, you start losing overs, let the game go a bit longer. And if it's the first game in a doubleheader, put it on two stations, it doesn't matter. I suppose yeah. the only issue when I'm thinking about it is – Maybe there's an issue with the, if it's the second game, that if it's going to go later than a certain time, maybe they've actually got council regulations that they're not actually allowed to play. I would um, say there is council regulations in a lot I of grounds. I have no doubt that that's the case, but then use the, the method. Well, I'm not saying get rid of the method altogether. I'm just saying we, there's, there's better ways to... And there's no perfect way to fix it. I just don't think you have to use it for every game. Yeah, I think they do have to put time limits on. So I'm not on board with that one, I th- but I, I do feel that when you watch these shortened games, we've seen a few, and the Thunder seem to have been involved in all of them. They just don't feel like games of cricket. And it's not the length of them. It's the fact that, you know, one team bats in a certain under certain conditions, whether they think they're facing 20 overs or whatever it is, and the game's shortened. And then the second team is kind of just chasing a notional target that doesn't really yeah. reflect too much on what happened in, in the first part. but It's not notional, though. But the, the, this is where I was going to throw to my statistical expert here, Paul no, Dennett, <laughs> who's going to take us through the, the DLS method. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and everyone's not, just not turned off. <laughs> Our audience is now zero. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Mum. <laughs> well, I think the thing that frustrated Thunder fans, and maybe you can confirm this for me, Jaleesa, was that the Scorchers batted for 15 overs. The Thunder were then going to get less overs than that, and yet the target was virtually the same. Is that mm, what? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I suppose the, the point I'd come across there is if you take – uh, an extreme example, uh, and this is where I think the, the, the whole thing comes in. Imagine a side had batted first and in five overs they were, um, you know, none for 50. Uh, and it's a 20-over game. They're none for 50 after five overs. Mm-hmm. You would say they are on top. They're, they're looking good. Mm. Um, they're probably, possibly, on track for a target of 200 or thereabouts or more. If you had to stop the game there and then you'd say they're going to be the more likely team to win... Suddenly the rain comes and it's washed out completely and the other side then has to bat and they only get five overs. If their target is only 51, then you'd say they're going to be the strong favourites because they've got all of their their wickets in hand. They know they're only going to be playing five overs. Suddenly the second team is very, very strong favourites and the rain has changed everything. It's appropriate that the first team's score has to get increased. And that's an extreme example where it's kind of conceptually easy to understand 
when you move it in from the extremes, um, you get situations where Thunder fans could be aggrieved. Yet I saw other fans, like um, Dan, uh, other commentators, Dan Bredick, saying on um, uh, Crick Info how unfortunate, how, how un- unfair he thought it was on the Scorchers that their total was um, not actually higher than it actually was um, in terms of the adjustment. So I think when it's, when it's no longer at the extremes and clearly easy to understand... You've just got to rely on the fact that they have gone back through T20-specific games in recent years to work out what uh, the, the, the most likely outcome from a certain situation is, and, and they go from there. So I, I think, as you know, as Shane Bond... Um, we've got, you, got some, you chatted to Shane Bond about mm-hmm. it. Um, Should we play it? Yeah, let's play it. Yeah. So Jaleesa has done some exceptional reporting for the podcast. Spoke to the Sydney Thunder coach, Shane Bond. Let's have a listen. So I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions yeah, for yeah. a podcast that I do okay, with yeah, a guy yeah, called yeah. Um, Andrew Menzel. That's my favourite yeah. bit. So um, oh, he has no idea. we have this big debate about DLS. So I hate it in T20. DLS or DRS? DLS. What's DLS? Like the Duckworth-Lewis system. Oh, the Duckworth-Lewis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, so it's for Oz Cricket Pod, which I'm sure you download. Definitely. Um, so, <laughs> I wanted to ask you, in the, the, the Duckworth-Lewis system for 2020, do you think it works? I think there's no better, other better way to be fair. We've had some discussion about this in our shed. The one thing I would say is the games, the games for us have generally, particularly the really short ones, and the ones that we didn't get a game in almost came down to a wicket. So we might have been ahead, but a wicket would have had it on the other on the other end of the spectrum. There's times where, obviously, when you're chasing a reasonably big score and you come back out, you're chasing a ridiculously big score. Yeah. So I think it, it, it swings in roundabouts, but in general, some of the tight ones have been pretty close to being right, a wicket either way. So, look, I don't think there's a per- perfect system, but it's... As far as we're concerned, we seem to be involved in the most of them. Yeah. That's probably the fairest way. Do you feel like it's a bit of a lotto, though? Because I feel like... 100%, yeah. 100% it's a lotto. Um, and as soon as you... I mean, 20 mm. over cricket's a lotto, let alone getting yeah. down to five. Really, um, um, which makes it, which good. just makes it tough. And, I mean, as I said, this year we've had some of that stuff go our way. Some of it hasn't. We've made decisions on the toss based on what, whether it will rain or whether it will smoke or not. Yeah. And we've been impacted massively. So, look, and in some teams, I think Brisbane Classic example, preferred eight eight overs. We we don't really want short over games. So I don't think there's any better system around. Right. Yeah, because I absolutely hate it. I hate. I think five overs is not a game of cricket. So my view is I hate it, and I hated it for you guys the other day when I felt like there was so much sunlight, there was no reason that the game couldn't have kept going, except from I guess a broadcast point of view. Yeah, that's that's the biggest impact is the broadcasting. Yeah. So there's especially when there's double headers and the cutoffs. There's I think as soon as it starts raining, you lose time, yeah. which is disappointing. It'll be interesting to see where they reflect and go whether ten overs is is appropriate for a game, but. I honestly can't see that change. I think they want a result one way or the other. Um, and when you're involved in them, like we have all season, it's not easy. Given that, do you think it favours the chasing team? Not always. I think on our wicket at home, which has been tough, if you get a 160 score and then have to come out and chase perhaps something higher, uh, I mean, a classic example would be if we, like like Perth, if, uh, if they were going a touch quicker and we had to get 110 on that wicket, mm. then it would have been tougher. So I think it's wicket dependent. I think if you get a really good wicket, it can. If you get a really poor wicket or one that's difficult to bat on, batting first and getting a half-decent score can, can make it tough for the opposition. Really good interview, Jaleesa. Thank you. Chain Bond's always great. Yeah. I might need to issue subtitles if we put that out as a video. Um, I get the fence sense that it is so nice that he probably wouldn't say if he didn't like it. But moreover, Jaleesa, after this conversation with our big fan here of uh, Duckworth, Lewis, Stone, Paul, are you starting to soften in your attitude towards it? Mm, no. 
<laughs> no, <laughs> I know. I just look. Yeah, I I like the system. This is the thing. I don't. I don't hate the method. I just find it frustrating a lot in Big Bash. Yeah, and it's frustrating. Uh, what do you think is the minimum game? Eight, nine overs. Think, Anything less than 10. that? Ten. Mm. I said last week ten, and I, I suppose if we had someone from the Big Bash here, they would say, "Yeah, you're probably right." But when you've got all these kids there, and ultimately it comes down to that thing of how much is the Big Bash about being a pure competition and how much is it mm. about being entertainment? Mm. Do you want the kids to go home having seen a result? And I probably that probably plays into it a little bit. But certainly, say, in the upcoming T20 World Cup, I would say 10 is the minimum that I'd like to see. All right. Well, that is our Mad Menners and Mad Apps discussion. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. I just want to remind you, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Oz Cricket Pod. That's AUS Cricket Pod. We're also on TikTok, YouTube, and Facebook. Um, and just search for Cricket Unfiltered. And we're on Byte as well. What is that? Well, there you go. <laughs> I don't even know what TikTok is yet. <laughs> so we're I'm so on, confused. We're everywhere. If you're on BYTE. BYTE. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break, then we'll be back with the cricket headlines and the Australian one day captain, Aaron Finch. Now that you're, you're back in the Big Bash, Aaron, any sort of um, thoughts about where it went wrong for the Renegades this year? Oh, I think just early on, a couple of them close games that we didn't quite get over the line, and that was that was a case of one over here or there with the bat or ball. Um, and it's always tough when you can't pinpoint. You can't. Uh, there's no definitive area. It, it constantly changes. So that's, that's what's been frustrating. But yeah, just. Early on in the tournament, we, we managed to win those 50-50 games last year, and this year we just didn't. We've, we've just been slightly off the mark. Yeah, do you need to look at some different overseas players for next season? Oh, I think you're always looking at your list and seeing how you can improve and and what you can what you can do structurally, whether you bring in a batter, something like that. Yeah, you, you're always you're always looking at domestic and overseas. That was the Renegades and Australian white ball skipper Aaron Finch after the Renegades lost to the Sydney Sixers at the SCG. And let's get into the cricket headlines brought to you by Piccolo Podcast. And the Big Bash is headed into the finals now. We had a wonderful weekend's cricket. Mm. I think uh, this schedule has really paid off. We saw a swathe of matches over the Australia Day weekend that uh, mattered for the finals, some effective quarterfinal matches, and, and I think a big success. So I'll start with you, Jaleesa. Are you fan of the way Cricket Australia put this big bash together? Yeah, and I think uh, probably this weekend answered a lot of the critics to the five-team final system because it really kept it alive for the final weekend. I was always a fan of the five-team finals just because of the pure entertainment value of the Big Bash. So I think that answered a lot of their critics. I just particularly love Steve Smith's innings. I thought it was... Uh, obviously, there have been more dramatic innings during the Big Bash, Big Bash this year, some from Lynn and some from Maxwell, etc. But just the way he played, I don't know, it reminded me of when I used to watch Steve Waugh back in the day that there was just kind of this... Every ball was captivating. And, um, no, I thought it was a, a wonderful innings. Yeah, I think the weekend showed what the Big Bash's potential is when you have all the Australian stars available. Yes. Add that to a, f- you know, a few overseas stars. You put in the fact that all the games had context and were important. Mm. It just made for a great mix. And I think it's a real guide for what they should be looking at next season when they schedule the internationals. Try and keep basically... January after the Sydney test free for the Australian players because I was at the SCG on Saturday when Smith played that innings and Hazelwood was there and Finch was playing for the Renegades. You name all the internationals. And 
people came to see these stars. Mm. And if they want to improve the crowds, you need the star power. So, oh, yeah, I think big tick to the Big Bash uh, for the way it culminated. Uh, so the Big Bash ladder finished up. The stars on top. Sydney Sixers second. Adelaide Strikers third. Hobart Hurricanes fourth. Sydney Thunder fifth. Jaleesa is very happy about that Yay, one. The Scorchers and the Heat missed out by one point in, in the finals. Melbourne Renegades the wooden spooners. Mm. So I'm going to point this out because I rarely get things right. I got four of the top five right when I predicted the the Big Bash. The only one I got wrong was the Brisbane Heat missing out and the Hurricanes making it. But I was so glad the Hurricanes made it. And you two know I'm a huge Matthew Wade fan. Mm. I think the highlight of the weekend for me was Matthew Wade's 130. Uh, it was just a breathtaking innings, and it's now the second highest score in Big Bash history, and just underlines his class. Can't wait to see him in Bangladesh, and you know he hasn't yet nailed it down at the Test level, uh, but if he bats with that level, not quite that level of freedom, but something approaching that, then I'm, I'm still keen that he can have a breakout series and, and become a fixture in the Australian Test side for a few years. Jaleesa, big disappointment. Brisbane Heat missing out on the finals. You know, signing AB mm. de Villiers, Chris Lynn as the captain, Darren Lehman the coach. Mm. They massively underperformed, didn't they? Massively. And just some of their collapses and they couldn't chase for so long there. And, um, yeah, they really did underperform. I think they would be quite disappointed and a lot of their fans would be disappointed I'm just thrilled that the Thunder snuck in. <laughs> I'm disappointed AB de Villiers doesn't get to play in the finals. It would have been great to yeah, have him play in a final. No one really got his, their value out of him. They got really one game where he was he was good, but for the rest of it, it he wasn't. He didn't really do much. Maybe they should sign him for missing. another team for the rest of the comp. Well, can you do that? No, but that would be wild. <laughs> Signing for the Thunder. <laughs> the, the, is comp- what, what competition would that work in Australia? Like None. nothing. Okay. <laughs> it sort of works in English football to a degree, but there's still rules and regulations around it. <laughs> okay, so uh, the Perth Scorchers also missed out on the finals. I don't think that's a big surprise considering the amount of injuries that sort of ravaged that squad. But I, I still think they did pretty well considering they've lost probably two or three of their best bowlers in Berendorf and Ty. But the big question, the Melbourne Stars have never, ever won the Big Bash. They are the specialist chokers. It is in their DNA to choke in the Big Bash finals. They've lost, I think, four in a row. Mm. No, they've lost three in a row, but it should have been four going into the finals. I'll start with you, Jaleesa. Can the Stars shake this hoodoo and win? You sort of want to have, even though they're going into it, they've had a pretty bad run of form mm. heading into the finals. This is sort of when you want to have it. You don't want to have it in the finals. So I think the only thing is looking at if it comes down to the um, stars and sixes, I think the sixes have, have got them. I think probably they've got anyone else. I don't really go with the the notion that because they've had some poor form in recent years in finals that that matters this time yeah, around. Yeah, I don't think um, that matters. But I think that the concern is, and Jaleesa could be right, if, if they've got their poor form out of the way just before the finals, that would be great. But if this is actually indicative of they're actually not quite mm. playing as well, then they, they, they could get knocked out. So, manners they could win or they might not. Do you know what I think the worst case scenario for them is? Is that they beat the Sixers in this first and they go straight to the finals. And get time off. Yep. I don't think time off will do them any favours. I think they need to be playing. So I, I would almost throw this match. There's some protest. Is it a disadvantage then? There is an eight-day gap between if you qualify for the final and the final. Do you think that there's a, a feeling that whoever qualifies for the grand final first could be sort of 
going a bit stale waiting for it. Absolutely. I think it really depends on the team. I think the stars, it will really impact them. I don't think time off is what they need at all, given their run of bad form. I don't think it would impact the Sixers. I think they'll be they'll be fine. I was just going to say, you gave me the perfect segue there, Menace, to talk 1980s rugby league. Um, that was <laughs> Again, I wasn't born. Because <laughs> <laughs> I used to have the final five. And although the format wasn't, it wasn't exactly the same, it had the same same thing where the first team, if they, um, if they won and got straight into the grand final, they then had two weeks off. And there's always a debate about whether that was the right thing or not. A lot of people didn't like that. No, you've read that in a book. I've read that. <laughs> people, people who were alive then tell me that it you was that controversy. When you did history at school. Yeah, yeah. In ancient history. What is it, the McIntyre system? No, this predated the McIntyre oh, right. system. Okay. <laughs> uh, you, I don't you, know where to go. We've you can take a tennis, break. NRL. This is just, <laughs> it's gone off script. <laughs> okay, so we're not sure about the stars. All I know is we've got, I think, five games in the finals. I can't wait for them. I think uh, this Big Bash is going to climax in a very good way. Moving on from the Big Bash to England v South Africa, or should I say England in South Africa, Ben Stokes has been fined 15% of his match fee and has lost one demerit point for using foul language towards a South African fan after being called Ed Sheeran. (laughs) And, uh, oh, yeah, it was poor stuff by Ben Stokes. He used some very poor language. And, uh, yeah, I think he got what he deserved. I, no, I, I have a nuanced view on this. I think, firstly, I have... Nuanced. <laughs> a nuanced view on this. Um, <laughs> that it must be very difficult when you... I don't think being called Ed Sheeran was what set him off. I think there was plenty of other things, you know, plenty of other choice advice that he got. I, I have been doing some digging, and I have heard that uh, the England camp was sort of on the sidelines, you know, that a lot of players sit there, you know, to attend to the players and they were just copying it all day from the South African fans. Yeah, and I'd say any fan anywhere in the world, if you go to the game and abuse a player, you're an idiot. Stop doing it. Secondly, it's very easy for me to sit here in a calm room and say that Ben Stokes shouldn't have reacted, but when you've just got out, it's very difficult. But the one thing about this that annoys me is that everyone is jumping up and down because he used swear words. I couldn't have care, couldn't care less that he used swear words, but... The, what he actually said was that he invited the, um, the bloke, he said, come and say it to me outside the ground. So, you know, implying violence. That's the problem for me. That this is a bloke who's just been on camera punching someone outside a nightclub and yet he's still mm. talking in, in violent terms. Who cares that he swore? Come on, as a society, yeah. what's and, worse? And who cares that he called him Ed Sheeran? Okay, this is my problem with the whole Ed Sheeran comment. You don't like his music. <laughs> it's going to be as vain as that. Ed Sheeran, that's a mass compliment. Like a lot of Ed Sheeran is a very desired man. So I'm not yeah. Ginger. So I'm not sure why you're getting so fired up about being calling Ed Sheeran. But I agree, Paul. The violence was just like, especially given your history. Like, oh my gosh, please do not say those things. It's just not appropriate. There is something that the South African fans that must be very good at winding up opposition teams like the Australians are are given credit the Australian fans are given credit for doing it but I I don't know if we're as I don't know um, I guess biting as the South Africans because they seem to bring the worst out of the Australian team the worst out of the English team Uh, yeah I I I love it it. when the crowd gives it to um, to players but in a funny way I don't like it when it starts to get nasty but I think it's hilarious until it crosses that line. Look, I've been known to stand up in crowds of cricket and hurl advice at players at times, but not... That's pretty 
Really? Not usually um, saying you look like a, a famous singer. It's usually something to do with their skill. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I agree with you, Paul. I think that's been lost in this, that for his first reaction to be, let's go and fight about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just shows maybe the remorse and the lessons from Bristol aren't as clear in his head as they should mm, be. For sure. Just following on from that, the Poms absolutely thrashed the South Africans. What, 3-1 in the series, Paul, or 3-0? They, the South Africans won the first one. And then the English won three in a row. The first time South Africa have lost three tests to England at home since 1913, mm. which I'm pretty sure you weren't around for, Jaleesa. I Paul don't and, Paul and I, I remember it very well. I think I was on the cusp. <laughs> <laughs> Does that solidify the test rankings we spoke about last week? Assume they're not in neutral territory, but you've got India, Australia, New Zealand and England pretty close there. And then South Africa now is starting to dip out. Yeah, I think so. And as I said last week, it's a it's a worry. I mean, obviously they had Rabada missing for this game, which 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 would have hurt. And I think Philander was injured a little bit during it; couldn't bowl so well in his final game. But as I said last week, let's hope that South African cricket isn't on isn't on downward spiral, which it kind of looks like it might be. Now the Australian women's cricket team are beginning their build up to the T Twenty World Cup that starts very soon. They've got a tri series with England and India, so perfect preparation. The three. Best teams in the world uh, playing off to get ready for the T20 World Cup. So that will be certainly one to keep an eye on. Plenty of pressure for the Australian side that they go into that tournament as unbackable favourites. And the organisers are hoping to be able to say we get 95,000 to the final and um, pump it up as the greatest attended sporting match for women in the world history. So if Australia don't make it to the final, that will be um, uh, that won't come to fruition. Uh, there's a, a bit of a commentary battle coming up. And this follows on from the commentary critique segment that we brought back to the show last week. And I will say that I uploaded some videos of the commentary critique. One video led off with an email that was pretty scathing in Lisa Stalaker's commentary. So um, uploaded the video, saw my Instagram stories, Lisa watched the video. So um, need to find her pretty quickly and smooth the waters there. No, but you, you did then say what we all thought, that we disagreed with that. I know, but I just have a feeling sometimes you just you might listen to heart, the first bit and then turn off and just think you might not hear listen to it properly and think either I was saying it or take it out of context. Yeah, well, Lisa's a great friend of the great friend of the podcast, and we firmly disagreed with what the the listener said. Yes, I'm a big fan of Lisa's. Yeah, I think she's one of the best out there. Now we're going to have two Australian captains in rival commentary boxes uh, for the Big Bash finals. This is a, an article by Ben Horn from the Daily Telegraph. Aaron Finch will be with Fox. Tim Payne will be with Seven. I'm going to go on record and saying right now, I'm going to tell you, Tim Payne is going to wipe the floor with Aaron Finch because Payne is, I would say, a five, five or ten times better than Finch in the commentary box. Oh, I don't know. I think every time I've heard Finch speak, I think he's quite engaging. Um, I think they're quite similar maybe we could do a uh, get you to watch it without hearing it and we'll we'll bring the transcripts and see if you can tell who said what you probably won't better tell the difference <laughs> pain's oh, a lot more edgy. pain's <laughs> a lot more edgy and a lot more fearless i think well see my problem is i still do this thing where i often pause it get a coffee and come back and watch and fast forward between the balls so i don't hear as much of the commentary so i actually haven't heard i do this much thing of pain. where i split screen sports and sometimes miss bits of commentary mm. from each sport I do this thing where I listen to podcasts if the commentary is boring. So I guess the three of us are not going to be in the best position I think, to judge. I think Payne is really funny sometimes. Yeah, He's I got do that too. Really dry. Uh, he, I do too, and yeah. I, he really does not give a shit anymore. No, he really doesn't, does he? Like, like, he's got, he's 
kind of fearless. Yep, so that's what I like about him. All right, so that's something to watch out for. This is our final break in the podcast, and I just want to remind you, if you've got a chance, go on and rate and review the show on whatever app you listen to, Apple, Google, Spotify, you name it, go and rate and review the show. We got a, we've got a few um, ratings in the last, since the last podcast, but this one's coming from Japan. So, first it says, fun, make Jaleesa a regular. Done. Tick that off. Thanks, Japan. Fun potty. The host's enthusiasm is infectious, even though they are sometimes delusional <laughs> and in a cricket bubble. Accurate. We I, all are. <laughs> I don't agree with everything, but I certainly don't need to to enjoy the podcast. Difference of opinion is important. This is by far the best podcast about Australian cricket. Jaleesa should be on full-time as she actually brings out the host strong points and diminishes their weak points. Well done. <laughs> and that's from RCX in Japan. Thank you so much for that review. Thanks, RCX. Yeah, thanks. I'll be really popular. happy. I don't know what we were like before you came. I just <laughs> have to go back and listen to the tape. <laughs> All right, when we come back, it's Can't Let It Go and someone called Steve Smith. Steve, are you really... Um, Trying to show what you can do in T20 cricket ahead of the T20 World Cup. I know you play a lot overseas, but not a lot in Australia. Yeah, I like playing T20 cricket in Australia. I think it sort of suits the way I play. Quite big grounds, um, hitting pockets, lots of running twos. Well, I'm pretty cooked tonight. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's quite humid out here. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not as strong as some of the other guys that can hit sixes at will. So I have to find ways of, of hitting gaps and running really hard and... You certainly need those players, particularly in Australia, with big, long boundaries. Yeah, you pulled out the reverse uh, the switch hit. You working on that? Uh, I play it every now and again. Uh, not too often. I just The field looked right for me. Um, the outfield's a bit spongy here, and when you went along the deck, it was um, you know, a little bit slow. So you know, I thought as a boundary option, um, that wasn't too big of a risk at that stage for me. That was Steve Smith speaking after the Sixers' victory over the Renegades. And uh, I'm Menas. I'm with Paul and Jaleesa. And I'll start with you, Jaleesa. Do you think Steve Smith's going to be in our T20 World Cup side come the end of this year? I think you have to have him in. I think it would be insane not to have him in. He probably hasn't you know, had the chance to show in the Big Bash exactly because of scheduling how great he is. But he does. He shouldn't just run twos all day. Does he too. have the power? I mean, is that going to be good enough? Don't we need some? But you need huge a mix. You need a, monsters like, like Stoinis and Maxwell. You just can't have those huge hitters though that sometimes get out quite quickly. I think you've got to have that mix. And Steve Smith's that perfect player of just he'll run twos all day. He's a you know put him in Lamborghini and they're just going to run between the wickets. Paul, where are you on this? The start of the summer, you were saying. Is Smith in our top t um, twenty side? And then you admitted that it was a silly question because, of course, he is. After he smashed the ball everywhere, he's just come back and, and smashed the ball everywhere again. And you're regressing. The I was question just is not the question. No, well, I actually would have him in the t twenty side. Well, I say the better question is not is in here. Is he not? Is he in our best eleven? Is is he in our best one? He may be the best t twenty cricketer in the country. He's the first batsman. Better I'd than pick. Glenn Maxwell. Yes. He's the first... Better than David Warner? Those are the top three batsmen I'd pick. Better than Aaron Finch? Oh, much better than Aaron Finch. Wow, okay. Um, Steve Smith, yeah, I mean, exactly what Jaleesa said. Sometimes Maxwell will score uh, an innings that Steve Smith couldn't play, but I think over the journey, I'm still going to pick Smith over Maxwell. But I I always pick Maxwell. I I love him. I think there's a a dangerous thing that you can get lured into thinking that with batsmen in T20, you need just big hitters everywhere. Mm. It's, It's actually not... You do need a bit of strategy behind those hitters, and I think Steve Smith brings that. 
And also, I think Smith is... He's not much of a weaker hitter than the others as well. I think he's he's downplaying himself there in terms of strength. I think his strength's pretty close to the rest of them. All right, let's end this podcast the way we like to with the can't let it go through to the keeper segment. Paul, do you want to start us off? I've got two. The retirement of Vernon Philander from Test Cricket, I think it should have received more uh, headlines than it has done. You look at his record and compare it to the great Sir Richard Hadley. Now, I know that Philander didn't play as many matches and played overweight number of games at home relative to abroad. But still, just look at the raw numbers. Vernon Philander, bowling average 22.3. Richard Hadley, bowling average 22.3. Bowling strike rate, Philander 50.9. Hadley 50.8. And batting average, Philander 24. Hadley 27. I'm not saying Vernon Philander is as good as Hadley, but I'm just saying that that comparison is amazing, that one of the greatest cricketers of all time, purely on the numbers, Philander uh, basically matches him. And I think that there should have been more fanfare made about his retirement. And secondly, you got any, any... Well, he didn't have a great finish to his career, did he? He got fined, he got injured, he lost the game. It's, it's one of the all-time worst finishes to a test career. Well, that didn't affect Bradman. <laughs> you know, Bradman it, didn't get fined. He got a duck. He didn't get fined. Australia didn't lose the game then. No. Didn't we chase 400 or something? No, that was the match before. Okay, well... In this match, England had been bowled out for 56 in Australia, and Bradman came out to bat with Australia at about... One for 190. So when he got his duck, it didn't really matter. Wasn't it Arthur Morris made a big 100? Yeah, he made, he made about 190. And through, for his entire life, people said to him, oh, were, you you played, were, you, were you there when Bradman got out for a duck? He said, yeah, I was at the other end, I got 190. I'm like, oh, good on you, mate. Arthur <laughs> Morris is going to come back, so <laughs> keep going. And the second one, uh, Ben Rothenberg, who, again, <laughs> commentator. Um, sorry to, to mention the existence of other sports menners, but he sent I out... I like that you're watching the 10. Thank you. Um, this podcast is going to have a lot of silent gaps. <laughs> <laughs> Edit out, edit out. <laughs> I was out there last year for four, for four days at the end of the Australian Open. It was um, riveting. It's, it, so good. It is so good. Um, oh, so good. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, he made the point that as much as he likes the commentators, it would be good for viewers to have an option of have, just having the ambient noise. And I think that would be fantastic uh, for the cricket. I would probably listen to the commentary 80% of the time, but every now and again... I just want to break from other people talking and I'd love to be able to just press a button and hear just the sound effects, not have to mute it and hear nothing. I think that'd be a great addition to um, any, any, form of, uh, any form of broadcasting. And the way was sound he... systems are now, you can almost feel like you're at the ground. Yeah. Was he talking about a particular broadcast? Like, was he talking about, like, one particular day Particular commentators? Or... <laughs> yeah. Was he talking Lee. about Big Bash? Drew like, Lilly, if you're he... listening. And he was talking about tennis and saying that occasionally he'd just like it so you could hear the, the shots and nothing else. Oh, so he's talking about tennis. Yeah. yeah. But, but you've got so... a former panellist commentating on the Australian Open. Drew Lilly, who was on the Australian Cricket Podcast. Oh, really? Yeah, good on him. Anyway, sorry. Um, so he, he wanted just the tennis. You know, that's. I had someone the other day, and I can't think who it was, say that they get sick of watching. They get sick of watching with all the sort of, I guess, commentary, but also entertainment around how they broadcast everything now. Saying that exact point, they just want to watch the cricket. Which, when you're watching those one days in India, that's kind of what you were getting. You weren't getting a huge amount of commentary or entertainment. You were getting a little bit of commentary, but it certainly wasn't at the level that you get in Australia. And most of the time, I, I quite like the commentary. And after a while, if you're just getting the ambient noise, it probably does get a bit lonely um, when you're sitting there alone in the middle of the night watching it. Um, you, need a, you need a friend, and the commentators can be that. But um, I'd like the option. It's sad. I wouldn't use sad it, but I... that story. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't use it, but... Anyway, uh, just kind of circling back to that, I ran into Jim Maxwell during the Sydney test, and I was just talking to him about commentary now that I'm dabbling in it at a very amateur level for New South Wales cricket. And he said to me that 
Arthur Morris used to say to him that when the cricket was on, he would turn down the commentary and put on jazz music because he could, because he, he had eyes, he could see what was actually going on mm. on the television. He didn't need someone to tell him. And uh, sometimes I feel that yeah, you don't need the commentary if you know the game. You can just watch it. The worst, so having that ambient noise would be a good option. The worst thing in commentary is when somebody speaks over a great moment. Mm. Oh, I hate it. I just when there's a really great moment, you just want to soak up that moment, and then someone's talking over it. Yeah, I think you'll be on um, some pr- cricket broadcasts pretty soon, Julie. So you'll be able to give these notes to the commentators pretty <laughs> soon. <laughs> don't think that's good. I don't it. think we're going to have you on the podcast for too long. I'll the be on the podcast going, forever. I'm not sure about that. You'll just be a star soon. No. But but what is your can't let it go? Okay, so my can't let it go is um, Nick Benton. I took a crowd catch. He's a former first class cricketer. Um, or has played a little bit of first-class cricket for South Australia, took a crowd catch in the Hurricanes and Strikers game and... At the Adelaide Oval? Yeah, at the Adelaide Oval and put on a massive celebration. (laughs) He was doing that strut, which was amazing. But it was his Bucks party. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I liked that. That was a cool moment. Did anyone hear the interview afterwards? Because he was interviewed a little while later and... I think he was a few frothies into the day, so... Oh, no doubt. Yeah, the interview he's, didn't make a lot of sense. He's got a bit of a... He's quite a character. Like, he said a few funny things, I think, when he made his first-class um, debut. He said, um, well, this is obviously proof that the selectors truly have lost the plot. <laughs> so he's quite funny. Yeah, it was a very um, funny reaction when he took the catch. Yeah. Well, my can't let it go is, I guess, something that something that's close to my heart because I've been known to... <laughs> Opened my mouth too far many times. <laughs> and a local cricketer actually he's, dislocated he's his own jaw while giving a send-off <laughs> to a, an opposition player. It's uh, in Victoria, Hastings' second eleven skipper. I mean, mm-hmm. Hastings, I don't even know what that is. Um, Jaden Regan dismissed an opposition batsman for 99 and dislocated his own <laughs> jaw giving a send-off. And that's from news.com.au. I hope it doesn't happen to me on a podcast one day if I get too emotional about something. He posted a selfie with, like, the bandage and everything (laughs) in hospital. It was so funny. But how could you physically sort of dislocate your own jaw like that? Just, I don't know, the power in your own sledging is quite impressive. My brother-in-law has done it three times. Not sledging, but in just um, various incidents that he's had to go to hospital and have have his jaw basically unlocked. My jaw pops out, but it pops back in. Like, if I go, it's out. I could hear that. Well, yeah, it's crazy. I guess on this, you know, note we should end the <laughs> podcast. Um, but yeah, I can't let it go that someone put themselves in hospital with a send off. I guess it does show that the wheel is turning, and maybe a send off should stay out of fashion. It would be funny if one day early in the podcast you had a madman as in <laughs> you suddenly like, oh, you see me screaming, and, into then, that. and then we're just sitting here talking we're tennis, just, yes. and with occasional rugby league, and he's just like. <laughs> You do this hard-hitting interview with <laughs> Professor Stern and I'm on the floor in agony screaming. <laughs> well, uh, I guess it's a time to wrap up this edition of Cricket Unfiltered. Lots happening in the next couple of weeks. We've got uh, the Australian women's team kicking off their title tilt and we've got the Big Bash coming to a conclusion. Julissa, you're going to be away for a couple of weeks, so I guess we'll see you in a few weeks. You'll see me. We'll have you on the podcast in a few weeks. Thanks so back. much. And uh, listeners, thanks for listening to the podcast. Paul, thanks for coming in. Thanks, Manners. Thanks, Julissa. See you all thanks, soon. Thanks, Paul. Bye. Now, Paul, you weren't happy with the team of the tournament that was selected? Oh, no, I was just interested in your guys. what you guys thought about it. Well, I don't like these notional teams, actually. I yeah, did look same. at it. 
Um, okay, well... Good talking point. <laughs> I, think, I think Team of the Tournament's fake news. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the a- when they t- pick the AFL, like, team, like the All-Stars team. Who are they playing against? Yeah. I just put it into the notes to show that I was I was keen to add to, add to the show. Yeah, well, you did, did well. So, <laughs> I didn't even know we could edit the notes. I have learned. Uh, yeah, you can have some input, Jaleesa. I, I just rock I wanna, up and just I didn't want to say, I was going to say after the podcast, but yeah, <laughs> you have editing functions. Uh, oh, wow. I am moving on up. <laughs> okay. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.